Hello, everyone, and welcome to Education Checkup, a weekly podcast here at KTBS that covers what is happening in education in Northwest Louisiana and around the state, considering our special guest. You can access this podcast and many more covering a variety of education topics on the KTBS3.com website. I'm Johnette Magner, and my co-host is Dr. Philip Roseman. He is a cardiologist by occupation, but he is also a leading education and business leader in Northwest Louisiana and across our state. And he is going to introduce our special guest for today, Dr. Roseman. Well, John, I, we have a special guest that we ask every year to come and, and talk to us about what's going on in the level of education in the state of Louisiana. No better person to do that than Dr. Cade Brumley. And Cade asked, always to have short introductions, but uh, I've got to lengthen just a little bit because I've known you a long time. Um, and I will say this is a Louisiana school superintendent who has walked the walk and talked the talk. Uh, somebody who has experience in the levels that he's trying to lead. Um, and that's something different uh, for Louisiana in the, in the last few years. And, something I think that's been a really a positive thing for our state. So thank you for uh, growing up here in uh, Caddo <laughs> and DeSoto in Northwest Louisiana and how you're gonna come back uh, when you're, when this is, uh, when you're uh, moving to a different level, but uh, also that uh, uh, you're, what you've done at, uh, in this state for, for our schools. So let's, let's just start uh, with an area uh, that I think is important to you, and I've heard you speak on a number of times. But we talked last week a, a lot about the elementary school and what was going on at the elementary school. Let, let's shift it uh, over to the high school uh, area. And we've heard a lot about high school redesign. I've heard gubernatorial candidates talk about high school redesign. Uh, so I know that's a big issue. You've talked about it a lot. Just talk a little bit about what we're talking about when we're talking about transforming high schools uh, in our state. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you both for having mm -hmm. me. People often thank me for coming to Northwest Louisiana. I'm like, you don't have to thank me. I'm coming home. So <laughs> it's, it's fun to be here. Um, no, I mean, we have heard the term high school redesign for a long time. We, a couple of three decades, we've been talking high school redesign, but those movements have been slow. Um, I don't think it has to be that way. I think with some policy shifts, um, we can make tremendous changes to make our high schools more responsive in the way that they serve students. Um, and frankly, I think we have both an opportunity and an obligation to do that. Um, not only would it be good um, for students and the standard of life that they can live as adults, but I think it's an economic game changer for us if we can transform the high schools because oftentimes people just think, oh, the high school kids go to the high school, so be it. But what's the function and the purpose? Why do we have the high school? And so I think that's a question that we should be evaluating and thinking about um, because we have to be more deliberate in what's happening there. You know, I heard Cecil Picard years ago say what he would do would be he'd chop the senior year off of high school and put it mm -hmm. on the other end. Uh, but I think it's high school is much more important than that and there's some things uh, that we're uh, doing, okay, uh, in terms of uh, looking at 
not only the education of children that are going to go to four-year universities or professional uh, type of occupations, but other careers, okay, that are excellent careers uh, for uh, really raising a middle-class family and supporting a family in our in our state. Can you talk a little bit about the school career connection, um, and then talk a little bit about dual enrollment, those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, this conversation can get in the weeds really quickly, so I'll try <laughs> to avoid that. But I'll, I'll say, we think of it in really three ways. The um, being more deliberate in the handoffs from high school to university, or high school to career, or high school to service. Um, and so how do we approach those three different areas? I think they're, they're different. Um, a stat that you should know is that in the state of Louisiana today, essentially four-fifths, or about 80% of students in high schools are on a university pathway in their high schools. So they are taking courses to prepare them to go to a university. Only 20%, actually less than 20%, are on a career pathway where they're learning career credentials, um, gaining apprenticeships, where they can go straight into the workforce in a high-wage job. And so people often say, well, what should that number be? You don't like it being 80-20, what should it be? I said, I don't, I don't know, but it's not that, you yeah. know? And so in order to increase that, that one-fifth um, and move that up, we have to elevate career and technical education. We have to make it cool, you know? We have to uh, make sure families know that it's, that's a good thing. That's not a lesser thing. Because what, what too often happens is, sure, you have kids that are successful, they go to high school, they go to college, et cetera, but you have some students, and these are the students I'm most concerned about in this particular <coughs> equation. You have some students who were on that university pathway in high school, and they never arrive at the college, or they arrive at that college, and then within a year, they're out. And so you, you, you have thousands of students annually in the state of Louisiana in this particular situation. They, they went to school for high school on this university pathway. They never go to college or they leave after a year. They have some degree of debt potentially um, and they don't have a, a, a specific skill to become employed. And so that's why when we look at the community college system in Louisiana, we see that the average age is 27 because for a decade of someone's life, they're trying to figure out what am I going to do now? How am I going to support myself and how can I get a skill? And, and I think we have an opportunity in high school to, to really shore that up with some policy changes and, and decisions to better prepare students for that next step after that May 15th graduation. One of the things that I've always thought about and it is just by those numbers, 27 in the career and technical, and then you graduate from high school at 19, 18, 19, that is 10 years of struggling and just kind of going nowhere. Um, and uh, so how do we connect the high school to this career and technical college system earlier yep. than we're connecting them seems to be the ultimate vision of how we can do it. And it's not like that's not possible because Louisiana has a very robust now career and technical college system. It's not bad at all. It's excellent and yeah. uh, what it can do. So. How, how, can you see ways that we can move that, move those numbers yeah. closer together? I, I do, and, and it, it requires some policy decisions at the state level. 
uh, and I think those decisions will, will happen to um, accelerate this movement. Um, whenever we're talking about that movement from high school to university, something that we should be doing is providing students the opportunity and their families an opportunity for dual enrollment opportunities in high school where they take classes in high school for college credit or advanced placement courses. Um, because what we, what we know, what the research will tell you is that if a student takes this type of coursework in high school, not only are they more likely to attend a college, but they're more likely to stay beyond year one. And so if we can be really thoughtful in those connections between the high schools and these colleges, that, that's a big win. We have to do that. I want to talk about the second piece, though, which is this, this career piece. Um, I think there's an opportunity in our high schools to substitute um, career work experiences and apprenticeships for things that are presently required in high school. So we, we release what we call our, our Fast Forward Initiative, and it lets school systems partner with agencies and groups that do full apprenticeships. They can submit to us, and we'll take to our state board, a proposal uh, that is a different graduation pathway. So you may have students who want to be a pre-apprentice in nursing. So instead of junior and senior year at the high school, they go to the hospital. You, you may have that for electrical, and they go to some type of organization that does that. And so the, these types of policies um, can, can, really, can really shift the economic landscape for Louisiana, but also provide um, a greater standard of living and close that 10-year nomad gap between 18 and 27, where students are just trying to figure out what they need to be doing. Yeah. So I have a question for you about the teacher shortage. Teachers are so important, and yet we are finding it harder and harder to get um, students to declare that as their major in college. What, uh, what can we all do to elevate the teaching profession, not only in terms of pay, but in terms of how we view it in our culture? Yeah. Well, te teaching is the most noble profession. Uh, I'm a little biased, um, <laughs> but it is quite a noble profession. I, I think that we have to um, acknowledge that the workforce has shifted, the way that people think about careers has shifted, and the whole notion that every teacher in a school today is going to be a teacher that went through a college of education, uh, bought a home by the school, and is going to teach 30 years. That, that's just a part of the solution. We need to be looking at mid-career individuals. We need to be looking at retirees from other professions. We need to be looking at uh, contracted individuals. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, we know that science teachers are hard to come by. Mm -hmm. You may have someone locally who has a background in the, in the science industry in some way, and they may say, look, I'm retired, but I'll, I'll teach for two hours a day on a contract. I'll teach that chemistry two hours a day. Um, so I think we have to think about the teaching workforce in different ways than we've thought about it before. Really excited that our legislature passed the associate teacher bill this year. Mm -hmm. And we worked on that in conjunction with our community college system. And what the associate teacher bill does, um, it allows individuals with an associate's degree from one of our community colleges in the state of Louisiana to go into a classroom as a teacher so long as the district provides them a mentor provides them uh, weekly professional development, and they have to be enrolled in a four-year full-time uh, program. And they can't earn the same pay as a, a, a traditional teacher, but this is clinical experience while they're also filling a vacancy void. So we, we have to look at entry into the profession in a number of different ways, 
But then the other side of that is retention. So what do teachers want? Teachers want to be able to teach without interruptions. That's from their leadership interruptions with bureaucracy and paperwork to student behavior interruptions. You know, they want to work somewhere where they can get better at their job, their voice is heard, um, and they want to be compensated like professionals. Really excited this legislative session that our legislature agreed for a pool of money for differentiated compensation. Because what I would like to see is, as school system leaders, as CEOs, be able to take a pool of money and say, I'm going to target this towards my vacancies. Critical shortage areas, high need schools, high performing teachers, teacher leaders, and, and that way we can uh, like really target in a market responsive way the actual vacancies that exist. Yeah, the, we talk a lot about STEM, okay, when we're talking about high school and all. Uh, have you seen the really state of the art or best practices, you know, in the field of STEM? Who, who's doing that well? Well, I mean, I think we've got to solve for that. Um, we, we have people across the state. Um, and even Northwest Louisiana, there are great partners in this in this STEM space, and I'm you know I'm calling on them and everyone else to help us with improving math results. Yeah. Uh, because our math results from third grade, as students advance through the system to eighth grade, decline, and it's a systemic issue across the country. Uh, proficiency in math gets lower the longer that students are in school, and so we're trying to like have a refresh um, around that. Uh, one of the ways I really think STEM programming, even external to the school system, can help is making school relevant. Um, kids really like to feel like what they're doing matters in some particular way, um, and it's not just theory, and STEM offers an opportunity for students to do that. Is there anyone that has a math miracle <laughs> uh, uh, out there? Uh, we talked about Mississippi miracle and literacy before, but. Is there some place, some state, some uh, location that, you know, that has, has something we can learn from or have you seen anything in your travels to, to indicate there's things that we need to expand on that we're not doing in, in Shreveport, yeah. Bossier? Sadly, sadly, no, but hopefully it's <laughs> us in a few years. Um, I, think the, I think the challenge with math really is um, and this is going to sound very old school and I get in trouble from some people by saying it and other people like it, but uh, basic math facts really matter. And if we aren't giving students time in those early grades to, to practice their math fluency in the same way we let them practice getting more fluent in reading, then we're not helping the child reach their fullest potential. And so, you know, kids need access to multiplication tables and instruments to measure things and working with fractions and we need to make sure they have enough time to practice it and drill it so that they better understand it because math is a stackable skill and you have to have those third grade skills to understand the fourth grade skills and then the fifth grade and if you have a very small deficit as a third grader that's just going to grow mm -hmm. over the course of time and that's what we're seeing in Louisiana and across the country and that's what we have to address. And, and as those students matriculate through their years, we also have to make sure that these, these uh, teachers who are doing the math work in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade have the training that they need. Because oftentimes those are teachers that may have never thought, I'm gonna teach seventh grade math. Yeah. You know, they went to school to be an elementary school teacher. Right. And now they're teaching seventh grade or eighth grade math all day. And so we need to make sure we're giving them the support that they need. Well, you know, um, when you first started uh, your journey as state school, superintendent of schools, 
one of the first things that came up was history standards. And although history standards shouldn't be necessarily a controversial issue, sometimes it gets to be a controversial issue uh, in our country the way things are polarized today. Um, talk about that issue of, of history. I know you're, you're partial to that yeah. because you're a history teacher originally. Um, and uh, what, 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 uh, what did you find along the way? What did we do yeah. uh, in Louisiana? So we often think about math and reading scores being low, but I'll tell you the lowest scores are social studies scores. Um, if you look across the country, I think only 12 to 13 percent of seniors are graduating high school proficient in U.S. history. And I tell people not only is that an educational issue, that's a national security problem. Mm -hmm. When you have 12 to 13 percent of students graduating proficient in U.S. history. So um, we knew that our standards were weak. They lacked rigor. So we spent a year developing a new set of social studies standards. Um, they go into effect this school year. So K-3, uh, kindergarten through third grade is essentially the American story. And it's a focus on people, places, and papers that have been most significant over the course of our history. Fourth and fifth grade goes to world history, so students get a survey of world history. Um, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade essentially takes American history, slices it into thirds, um, and in a chronological way, students work their way from 1776 to the election of President Barack Obama in 2008. And during that period of time, under this new model, Louisiana history is embedded into that U.S. history in a chronological way. Um, obviously, some of the Louisiana history happens before 1776, right. and so that's accounted for. Um, and, and, it, and it ends with new civics and U.S. history standards uh, at the high school level. We call it our freedom framework. Um, it passed unanimously uh, at our state board level after over a year of debate and work. Um, and uh, other states are looking at our framework. And so we're glad to be leading the country on this particular issue. Yeah, it's an important issue uh, that uh, we face as a country. And uh, I uh, was involved somewhat in looking at those standards and, and, uh, and I've got to say that there were a lot of time spent uh, and a very careful uh, look at that at precisely the right time. And I do think will be leading the country when people see uh, how much better our students are going to be more proficient uh, in history. Yeah. Uh, Got to know what happened before in order to know what's going to happen in the future. Right. This has really been uh, great having you here and, and uh, uh, talking about what's going on in Louisiana. Thank you again and uh, all of your staff and all of what you do for the state of Louisiana. Um, and as we as we do this you know we we connect more and more between what's happening at the state what happens at the local you know and what makes education uh, so important why gubernatorial candidates are talking about it you know it is the issue of opportunity for our state and thank you for your contribution to that. Thank you all for having me and let me talk about something I love so dearly. Oh, well thank you. And thank you to all of you for joining us today for Education Checkup. You can watch this podcast on ktbs.com or listen anywhere you listen to your other favorite podcast. Have a good day and join us next time for Education Checkup.